Hi, it's David Poland. This is the hot button number 29. Bustin' made me feel bad. There is nothing wrong with Ghostbusters Afterlife that a page one rewrite wouldn't solve. There are so many things that can go wrong with a movie, it's fairly rare when the actual conceit that drives the picture is the problem. The other recent movies that I would put in this category are The Last Duel and The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And the problem is also there in part for House of Gucci. In the case of The Last Duel, the telling of the story of a rape amongst the affluent and somewhat influent in medieval France is truly an interesting idea. But the idea of offering it from three perspectives is only worth making as a movie with perspectives that each offer something truly different in that repetition. This was not achieved, in great part because, clearly, no one wanted to write something ugly enough to truly blame the woman. And I agree with that, but you got to not make the movie because it gets reduced to the exercise of filmmaking. Great director, great actors, great production, but ultimately it neither challenges the audience or takes us somewhere unexpected. In the eyes of Tammy Faye, the great documentary is probably at fault for a script that simply tries to do too much. There are very few biopics in the world that work from youth to death. The drama gets lost. Again, the performances and production were there, but the script didn't help them fly. In House of Gucci, there is so much great stuff, but an oddly incoherent storytelling. I was good with laying out all the characters through Act 1 and establishing the core relationship between Gaga and Adam Driver. But as one of those leads makes a huge turn of perspective, the movie doesn't fully change gears to take us to the big ending or big endings. Again, great acting. Could easily be two nominations or more and maybe even a winner. A great director and a beautiful production, but a little broken. In this season, it still may get nominated for Best Picture. We'll see. Which brings us back to Ghostbusters Afterlife. What the hell were these very smart and skilled filmmakers thinking? In a movie just over two hours long, they spent almost 90 full minutes before getting to the Ghostbusters part of the movie as anything but a reference. I like Egon's grandkids, and if you think that's a spoiler just because you don't instantly recognize the origin of Phoebe's John Lennon glasses and a science edge, you must not have watched the original. That is not the problem. I've noticed in the last weeks that the marketing for the movie leans away from the humor. Seeing the film, the effort to be funny is there. It's just not very funny. And it's not really about something bigger. Bringing Egon's daughter and granddaughter back into his circle posthumously after he pushed him out many years before, yes, that is there. But ultimately it turns into a Ghostbusters movie and one that really makes no sense at all. I'm sorry, but tagging the end of the world onto a warm family coming-of-age comedy is a terrible, terrible idea. And only someone who truly makes magic could have done it. Jason Reitman and Gil Keenan are professionals with skills. But you can almost hear the conversations and how exposing each fan-servicing beat was a thrill. Didn't anyone notice that the movie was half over before the ghost-busting idea really comes into play? And there was nothing at all supporting the sudden insight into the driving, the equipment, the rules of ghost-busting, etc. As an example that you already know from trailers and ads are the Stay Puff Marshmallow people. Those gender rules from 1984 no longer apply which turn up in the grocery store with Paul Rudd. You've seen the ads, they dance out, and he's surprised. Well, why are they there? I know it's cool to see them again in a somewhat different form, but the original Stay Puff Marshmallow Man was one of the great movie gags of the 1980s and beyond. He was summoned to existence by Ray Stance thinking of something that would never, ever harm him. And in the movie, they just turn up. In this movie, they just turn up. No summoning, no reason... They're adorable, but they're devoid of purpose or even a joke other than our pleasant memories. Fact is, the 2016 Ghostbusters, the one with the chicks, got it a lot more right than, the, than this family connection. 
I could well see a film that wasn't real, that was really about Egon's lost family coming into a situation and making them become slowly become people who could save the world. But they didn't write that movie. Just for what it's worth, my take on the undercut, on what undercut the 2016 film from being greater is that they ended with the two lead characters who are not dissimilar enough and it undercut the entire film. Even more so with Kate McKinnon stealing every minute she was on screen. She and Leslie Jones were clean and clear as characters, but the leads, who were amongst the best movie scene stealers ever, were a murky blur. I know it's incredibly hard to do as you're working a film into production, but McCarthy and, and Wig needed to be forced into being ensemble players for the good of the film. Women are incredibly funny, and there were some wonderful moments in the film. It was just wildly off balance. I sat in the theater with another screening an hour after the Ghostbusters Afterlife screening was supposed to end, thinking that someone screwed up and the movie had to be at least two and a half hours instead of two because they took so long to get to the ghostbusting part. Really, they're going to save the world in 20 minutes after take talking for 90. But alas, that is what they did. Jason Reitman did a nice job directing. The actors did well. Logan Kim could be the next kid phenom. McKenna Grace continues to grow in what will surely be a great career as a young adult and 20-something and beyond. Dan Aykroyd actually gets to act for a minute, which is nice, but the other cameos are kind of meh. I guess it's better to have loved too much than to have never loved at all. And I'm guessing that's what happened to Jason Reitman here. When I think back on the construction of that original screenplay, man, it was really rather brilliant. And they should have known they were in real trouble when all the homages in the first 90 minutes are all sight gags, and the rhythm and the energy of the original script was not honored. As Logan Kim was stealing scenes, it struck me that the movie worked more as a tribute to the Goonies than to Ghostbusters. Of course, the choice to set the whole thing in the middle of nowhere, again, why? There has to be a payoff. There was no payoff. Look, I never want to tell an artist what to do, but if you're working on a sequel to a classic and you make major changes so as not to be a pale photocopy, great. But you need to answer the questions of why. And this one did not. Until tomorrow.